The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decision. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perra columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Many Peaks Gold. Trades under the code MPG, or miles per gallon, just an easy one to remember there. Trading at around 28.5 cents for a market cap of just under 12 million. It only listed in March uh, 2022, so that explains the modest market cap. But the good news there is that the company is very active in Queensland and in Canada across gold, critical metals. Um, and there's a bit of action expected in coming months on the gold, so we'll jump straight into it. We have the Executive Chairman with us today, Travis Schwertfeger. G'day Travis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you Barry, appreciate you having me on. Travis, I mentioned that uh, the company uh, only debuted uh, in uh, March last year, so it'd be good if we could just get a bit of a professional background on yourself and uh, the formation, what was behind the formation of the company. Uh, yeah, basically the company was formed out of COVID. Uh, I was quite active doing porphyry exploration in South America and of course with COVID and, and unable to get to the projects there, uh, started privately looking for projects in, in Australia. Uh, we found a very interesting project in, in Queensland and uh, was working that with a small group of guys. Uh, our initial listing asset was a project that had been drilled by Rio or CRA, I should say, uh, back in the 90s. And they had some extensive uh, gold intercepts, which we believe were, were not drilled on an optimum orientation. So we've gone in and turned the rigs and we've found some higher grade mineralization at our Mount Weary project. Subsequently, uh, we've expanded our footprint in Queensland, in the Yarrow province, where that Mount Weary project is. And earlier this year, we picked up the Yarrow project and the Mount Stedman project, which significantly extended the strike extent through that province where the Mount Rodden uh, mine is hosted by Evolution Gold. So we're talking about 100 kilometres west of Bundaberg there in that province. So uh, what's uh, what should we be looking out for in terms of on uh, drilling or advancing the project there? Yeah, well, I think in the coming months, we're quite excited to be doing our first uh, diamond drilling campaign into both the Mount Stedman and Yarrow projects uh, in the coming month. Uh, we'll have an RC rig at Mount Stedman, and we'll be doing some follow-up diamond drilling at Yarrow. We're excitedly uh, drilling results from earlier this year hit 17.8 meters at four grams per ton gold at Yarrow. Currently, uh, we've done some detailed structural studies on that, and we believe we're seeing some west dipping veins, which were previously drilled on west dipping holes, so not optimally oriented. So uh, again, another case where we'll be turning the rigs around and we believe we can build continuity and quickly build some ounces at Yarrow uh, uh, drilling the mineralization back towards the east. Some spectacular grades reported previously. Is it uh, epithermal or what's, what style of mineralization are we talking about? Uh, it's intrusion-related gold. Uh, the mineralization's tied around seeing that vein density in the mineralization. So uh, the previous drilling, which was predominantly RC, for, for which we don't have chips or anything to look at um, from the 90s. Yeah, hit quite high levels of vein, which when we look at it in the current core drilling that we have, uh, a bit unusual. So it just takes uh, a few three or four veins per meter of, of vein density, and we start to see some greater than five and, and greater than 10 gram per ton uh, values in, in individual meters. So it will be quite high grade for, for an intrusion-related system. 
And just to repeat, what's the forward program then? The next program is very focused on getting some oriented core into it. So we'll be doing a thousand meters uh, to confirm our structural interp. And if we can confirm these west dipping veins and, and see continuity as we step out from previous drilling. Uh, so there's two small zones drilled to about 300 meters strike extent with fairly high grade gold, but only drilled down to about 60 meters depth. So shallowly drilled in two small patches, but hosted in a diorite that extends for over four kilometers. So it's quite a long anomalous zone and a lot of open ground yet to explore uh, if you can kind of unlock the, the structural controls on the mineralization. What's your excitement level with this one? Yeah, I think very excited. Uh, like, like I said, uh, the 17.8 meters at four uh, is a great intercept that's quite shallow. Uh, the ground already has ground magnetics. Uh, we've reprocessed that, done a mag inversion. So we see mag inversion targets uh, along with IP, extensive IP has been previously done on it. So a lot of data came with this project and uh, basically our new structural interps uh, integrated with previous IP and, and mag inversion that we've processed all aligned together to uh, demonstrate some very clear targets for us. So yeah, we're, we're excited to get some more holes into it. A lot of technology there that wouldn't have been available in the 1990s or would be in its infancy. So. It's throwing up some uh, new ideas and new targets there? Yeah, no, I think so. And I think the ability to put all that together into a 3D model and uh, uh, have it reprocessed uh, in, in uh, current technologies has uh, really been an advantage to us. Early days, I know, but uh, I was just wondering, what's what's the lay of the land? Is it farmland, uh, access good, those sort of things, infrastructure? Yeah, access is good. Uh, there's uh, maintained uh, gravel tracks through the property area. Uh, we've got existing road networks within one to two kilometres of, of all of our drilling locations. And... Uh, it's all pastoral uh, grazing ground, and we've had fantastic reception from, from local landowners about getting onto the ground. All right, you come up with the goods there, you'll be off west to Bundaberg to celebrate with a Bundy and Coke, I guess. Um, now, in that same part of the world, you've got this uh, plateau, interesting cobalt, sediment-hosted, uh, previously unmapped. What's the, what's the story there? Yeah, I guess there's a, an unrecognised layer of tertiary sediments uh, beneath a thin... Uh, basalt flow. So the basalts would have filled in the old valleys of the time and in that valley is effectively what's a small mineral sands deposit shedding off of the Gundicum uh, resource. So there is a, a mine there that's been mined for heavy mineral sands just off of our property to the east that was uh, exploited for heavy mineral sands and, and that uh, material coming off of that's draining onto our property and then capped by basalts. And I think the, the sands weren't previously recognized. It was identified through extending uh, the soils north from the Yarrow Gold project, this uh, cobalt opportunity lies just six kilometers north, and we saw some very high-grade cobalt in the soil numbers. Uh, or I should say the the vendors did in the that did the previous work last year. Uh, they also picked up a number of uh, one to two percent rock chips uh, shedding out of the the hill, and basically you got a not to get too over complicated, but it's a topographic inversion. So what was the lower stream uh, with that basalt cap on top now forms the topo highs in the area. So this sits up on a hill and it's a flat lying uh, zone where manganese oxides are precipitating out at the base of those sediments. So it's all unconsolidated free digging material, uh, horizontal layer on a hill with high grade uh, cobalt and nickel being scavenged by that manganese oxide horizon. A lot going on. Some scale to it, potentially? Yeah, I think we've, in rock chips, they tracked it for over four kilometers of, of extent along the edge of the plateau. Uh, we've done some reconnaissance drilling and we've confirmed that horizon does exist and it extends for up to a kilometer into it. So we're seeing a four kilometer by one kilometer horizon uh, and we're just stepping out to see if that extends further into what's a 40 square kilometer 
uh, basalt flow that uh, could be covering further tertiary sands and heavy mineral sand horizons. Now, is this the one that you've picked up a Queensland government exploration incentive grant? Yeah, that's correct, because the manganese is, is very high density. And I think we had a release uh, where we just did some initial work. We wanted to see if uh, this would be low cost recoveries. And, and it is the, the heavy minerals, uh, the manganese oxides separate very easily. So dense media separation is a, a viable option if you were to try and excavate this material. Uh, and it also forms a hard layer within what's otherwise a, a low density area. So it's a good reflector for passive seismic, which is a very low cost uh, exploration tool. So we've just completed that seismic survey and we're waiting for the results uh, in the coming weeks, the processing from that seismic. And we anticipate that's going to help us identify channels and where manganese oxide is forming uh, beneath that plateau to help prioritize drill targeting. You're in the drill targeting phase now. So when would that uh be possible do you think to actually uh, get a rig there and have a poke around uh well i think in the next month we'll we'll get the seismic and we'll evaluate that on on the back of the uh we did do a, a just shy of 2000 meters of air core and a quick reconnaissance and we're just waiting for results of that drilling as well uh, i think we integrate all that data and see what our next steps are uh, but yeah, there is every opportunity to follow up on the Cobalt project before the end of the year. And these government grants aren't easy to pick up. I'm just running the Queensland uh, Department in charge of these things. Uh, they were enticed in, what, because of the strategic metal nature of this uh, this prospect? Yeah, I think a combination of it being uh, effectively a, a new discovery and, and yeah, also being in that uh, critical mineral sec uh, list for Queensland. Uh, was a key factor. Now we um, talking about critical metals. We should probably swing over to Canada, <clears throat> where the company has a uh, quite a few projects on the go. Um, let's start with Odyssey, a, a rare earths, um, high grade um, walk up uh, target drill targets, apparently in central Labrador. Uh, tell us what's going on there. Yeah, effectively, we uh, we have one of our directors based in Canada, so we have uh, a bit of operational synergy with with being over there, and he'd uh, met a group that have privately held a small uh, land position, but with some uh, excellent historic rock chips for rare earths, uh, very high grade. And the land position they had was very centralized on the best part of, uh, of the belt that we were looking at. So yeah, we see some two to 4% uh, trio numbers uh, at surface and the better than 1% numbers extend for over two and a half kilometers of strike extent. The neighboring properties uh, do have some existing resource. There is 40 million tons of resource uh, at a project about 20 kilometers to the east that had up to 80, 100 meter true widths. So we see something similar. There is potential for, for significant true widths and, and everything coming to surface. So we just saw the opportunity to uh, quickly build a lot of tons in a bulk tonnage type target there. So we'll, we'll be following up with some uh, rock chip sampling and, and mineralogy to better understand uh, what minerals are hosting those uh, rare earths. Now we're talking hard rock, not uh, not clays. No, that's correct. Yeah, these are, are hard rock deposits. On your ground, there's obviously been a lot of sampling work in the past, but no actual drilling? Uh, no, no, it's uh, never been drilled. Uh, I think focus for us is just first to see if there's continuity uh, across the zone. Uh, it's grab and rock chips that have been done in the past. So we'll be getting a little bit of channel sampling done this week, along with, or sorry, this year, along with our mineralogy. Uh, and just get a understanding if there's a viable drill target there and that bulk tonnage potential does exist. Okay, now it's all about magnet metals, of course, at early stages again, but do you have any, has it got the right mix of uh, magnet metals, do you think? Uh, yeah, it's uh, stronger in light rare earths, uh, but it does have a high proportion of NDPR 
uh, in amongst the, the reportable metals that we're seeing in it. And just uh, to fill us in, is that area known for its uh, rare earths uh, potential? Uh, yeah, the red wine district's uh, known, it's, uh, but, a, but a bit complex. There's a, an area that's seen a bit more attention in drilling, which has the actual uh, namesake of the district. There's a, a red wine uh, resource area, uh, which is a bit more dominated by heavy rare earths. Uh, but it sits kind of on the tip of the this cluster of uh, cyanite intrusions that forms the red wine uh, complex. Uh, our st structural setting is a little bit different. We're on a, a sheared margin and we see a much higher proportion of uh, beryllium and light rare earths. So it's, it's very much a different uh, mix of mineralogy uh, that hasn't really been looked at in detail before. Now, um, what's the lay of the land like there in terms of uh, access and infrastructure? Uh, it's probably about 20 kilometers away from its nearest road point. So it's uh, potentially accessible and, and road access could be built. But at, at this stage, we're, we're just fly camping uh, into the area for some low cost uh, exploration approach to get into the area. Now, lithium, ASCA lithium project also in uh, Canada. Tell us a bit about that one. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like we were kind of early movers into Newfoundland. There's quite a few Canadian companies uh, currently exploring there uh, on the back of uh, Benton and Sokerman have a joint venture for gold, uh, and on their gold joint venture, they've uh, found some very high-grade cesium and also some lithium occurrences uh, on their project, which they're following up on. Uh, Touching base with them back in March, they're doing extensive soil survey, and they've really extended the expanded the footprint. Uh, we recognize there's more of those same age intrusions uh, extending all, all the way across Newfoundland, uh, which is the same rocks that. Uh, we're part of a microcontinent uh, or on the margin of a microcontinent called Avalonia. And it's that same structural zone and age of intrusions that form uh, lithium deposits in Ireland and are hosting the lithium deposits in North and South Carolina uh, in the Eastern US. So it's, it's the right geological setting uh, and the right event. So a good, good source of causative intrusions. And we've been out there and we've done the mapping. We see all the key indicator minerals, fertile granites, where we're seeing uh, fractionation of the Devonian-aged uh, intrusions there. And uh, now it's just a matter of mapping zonation and seeing if there's a, a, a lithium horizon, or effectively what we, everybody refers to as the Goldilocks zone. There's an eight-kilometer extent of the, the favorable lithology, metamorphic rocks, uh, between two causative intrusions. So we've got quite an extensive zone to explore. Uh, and we've process satellite imagery, and we've identified several hundred pegmatite targets. And as we get to the field, we're, we are confirming uh, pegmatites where we've mapped them from uh, satellite imagery. So very successful in mapping pegmatites, and, and they're of uh, significant size. We're seeing a lot of 5 to 10 meter wide uh, pegmatites in the area. And now it's just mapping out the zonation and, and getting a better understanding of the system. Uh, I'm sure everyone who follows the ASEX uh, knows all about Quebec and um... Ontario. Um, in Newfoundland, it's, uh, it's an emerging exploration push, is it, for lithium? And you guys are what, trailblazers? One of the trailblazers? Yeah, I think we've had quite a bit of uh, follow-on staking by uh, other Canadian companies uh, surrounding us. Um, but yeah, we're, I would say we're about 50 kilometres west of uh, Benton's currently activity on uh, existing uh, lithium discoveries. So what uh, is the, uh, the forward program there at ASCA? Uh, I guess there were it's, a, again, an early stage project. We're focused on uh, some low-hanging fruit. So I think we'll emphasize on just reconnaissance mapping and sampling and uh, understanding the zonation of that. We should get a, uh, an adequate amount of work in before the end of the year to 
uh, get a good understanding if we're going to mount a for better exploration campaign going into next year. But it's the kind of thing where, yeah, once you put your hand on spodumene and you get a rock chip, uh, you know, I think we're exposing ourselves to a significant re-rate from that type of discovery. Once you have that uh, rock chip in hand, it'll it'll move quite quickly from there. And it's kind of funny. The uh, great to find uh, lots of spodumene in uh, WA, but uh, when you're on the door of uh, North America, there's probably no better place in the world to be finding it. So good luck with that. Okay. Our projects are quite close to the coast, so yeah, we're a couple of two, only two kilometers from the nearest road access uh, in there, and uh, quite uh, close to coast uh, port facilities. So yeah, we're we're in a good location in Newfoundland. You've got a lot on the go, a lot to look out, uh, look forward to there. I was just wondering what the cash balance is. You'll be able to keep up, maintain this pace of work? Yep, we're a little over $3 million, uh, at, uh, into the last quarter. Yeah, we've got adequate uh, cash to fund all of these exploration programs uh, through this year and then take us well. well we'll be able to do a major follow-up campaign on wherever we're seeing our best results uh, take us through 2024 as well. Well, if you keep eating 17-gram uh, gold up in Queensland, I don't think the funds... Uh bringing in additional funds will be a problem. We might be repeating ourselves here, but just we'll just leave investors uh, with a, a firm idea of what uh, signposts they should be looking out for in the next six months or so. Key thing will be the commencement of drilling at, at Yarrow. We should be having results from back from that program uh, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, and then we'll see our uh, initial results from both the uh, Canadian projects uh, in that time. And... Yeah, I guess also the the cobalt uh, will be uh, a space to watch. Uh, see if we if we see the potential to uh, build tons in the in the cobalt at Plateau. Uh, we'll be following up on that with some air core drilling before the end of the year. So there we go, folks. A interesting mix of um, gold in Queensland, uh, cobalt, which Travis just mentioned, and of course keep an eye on Canada. All inside a well-funded junior with eleven point five million dollar market cap and a cash balance of 3.13 million at June 30. So Travis, interesting story. Good luck with it all. We're watching with interest. Thank you very much for your time, Barry. I appreciate being on. Cheers.